Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's episode is going to be a tad bit different than any other episode we've done before. Today, I'm going to be talking to Miss Lori Krieg about a book that she recently released with her husband. The book is called An Impossible Marriage, and it maps out her journey to finding an impossible relationship that turned into an impossible marriage. And some of you are probably thinking, what do you mean impossible? And the answer is so simple. Laurie is primarily attracted to women, and so is her husband. So she and her husband now have three children and live in the good old city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we're going to talk about the story that God has painted within their lives, understanding orientation, and how the church can approach this topic correctly moving forward. So without further ado, here is my interview with Miss Laurie Krieg. Laurie, thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. I'm super pumped to have you. Thanks. I'm super glad to be with you. Yeah. So Grand Rapids, Michigan, it's a beautiful place. What uh, settled you down there? Uh, From the West Michigan area and then uh, met my husband at Cornerstone University here. And then after a few years in California working with at-risk youth, God moved us back and he's a licensed counselor and good place to live. It's actually was voted at some point the best place to raise a family, but it's also Beer City, USA. So I don't know <laughs> if the two are related, but you can figure it out. That's super interesting. And I just want to hit the nail right on the head. Um, for the people that are listening in like a mixed orientation marriage, what does that look like for you and your husband? So when I was marrying Matt, I didn't no, our marriage had a title or a label. <laughs> I just knew that uh, I, when I struggled with lust, it was toward women, uh, but that God had called me and Matt to marriage and marriage to each other. And so I was um, through a series of events that we lay out in our book Um I was to a place where I was not so in love with Matt that mm-hmm. I wanted to marry him, although that was a part of it. But I was so in love with Jesus that I was dying daily to my natural sinful defaults mm. to get the good needs of my heart met, like to be seen and known and loved and belong. I was so in love with Jesus that I was dying daily to get those good needs met in ways that don't actually satisfy me Mm. and don't glorify God. So I was reaching out to Jesus, but then he calls me to marriage and he didn't call me to marriage to all men. He called me to marriage to Matt. And so I was still in love with Jesus and my heart was connected to Matt and that could turn into a physical draw to him. Um, But I just was, we both just decided, okay, this is what God's calling us to. So we decided to get married. And then about seven years in, um, those attractions reared their ugly head again um, in a major way. And I really wrestled with leaving him. Yeah. So had you ever dated women before you met Matt? Mm -hmm. Yep. So when I met Matt, I was in a relationship with another woman. I was at a Christian university and... Uh, I was like that annoying Christian leader girl, 
You know, the type that like does all the stuff. I'm I have sure a perfect also- example in my head of what I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I totally know that. And there's also annoying Christian leader guys. You yeah, know, I'm that just might saying, be me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. And probably a pair of us. Just there terrible. you go. <laughs> um, so I was that girl. And so I had felt these attractions, same sex uh, growing up. And I'd also dated guys, but I, I didn't really think much about it, but I was kind of always thought it was weird that I like never really wanted to be close to them physically. Mm. Like I liked the idea of guys, but I didn't like, I wasn't really drawn to them to be honest with you, but I was uh, more physically drawn to women, but like growing up in, you know, evangelical America in the nineties and early thousands, this wasn't like, Oh, you're attracted to the same sex. Well, that's just a version of broken sexuality that you need to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Like everyone else is called to do. Yeah. It's like, you got to shut that mess down. Like you, that's not, no, that doesn't go around the word Christian. Like you're categorically other. If you wrestle with attractions, like there wasn't even that those words, uh, wrestling with attractions, the same sex, it was ex gay or like, so you were gay and then you come to Christ and then you're straight. And so I was super confused about my own attractions in college. When I met another Christian girl, my dad was a pastor. I was that annoying Christian leader girl. And all of a sudden I found myself in this secret same sex relationship with another girl. And I was like, are I supposed to be like, not a Christian and like snorting crack and stuff. But now I like loved Jesus a lot. And there I was. That's so crazy. And your dad was a pastor. So is that a conversation that you had to have with him? It's like, hey, I'm dating a woman. You know, I did share with him, but it wasn't like I wasn't resolved in my soul about it. It wasn't like I'm dating a woman. It was like, this is my best friend and yikes, (laughs) here we are (laughs) turned into this relationship. And so it wasn't like I'm coming out, dad. Um, Again, this was 2006. So again, there wasn't a gay Christian category yet. Like not even the affirming books had really been released or I don't even know if they were written yet. I couldn't find them. Um, But so when I told him, it was more like, I hate myself. I want to die, but I also love her. And to his credit, a lot of people get marched right out of church, get disowned, get kicked out of their house. To his credit, um, he heard me and loved me and did a lot of hearing and loving. Yes. Um, So you struggle with mental health through that process. Definitely. Like suicidal thoughts, ideation, just Mm -hmm. I can see where that would go hand in hand together. I know for myself, I had been degraded so much as like um, growing up hearing like you're weak, you're this, you're that. And it almost degraded my masculinity to a point to where I was like, I'm not gay by any means, but I can't see myself being a husband because I've been told that I can't be a guardian. I can't protect. Um, And that's a process that I had to go through of and still going through, like learning that, okay, you can be that guardian. You can be the husband for your wife. And so Mm -hmm. it's never really been as much of a sexual desire or anything like that. It's like I've struggled to date in general because I can't see myself being a guardian. Do you see yourself 
feeling the opposite of like, okay, I don't know how I could be a wife to a husband. Do you think that could have had a factor in it or any kind of uh, Mm -hmm. mental challenges you had hearing people say like, oh, you're a little masculine or anything like that? That's a good question. Um, I definitely thought marriage looked like garbage (laughs) for like a lot of reasons. And my parents are amazing. But when I looked at marriage, like, again, I liked the idea of it, but then I was like, this seems like a big fat sham. Mm. So like, it seems like the wife secretly resents her husband. The husband secretly resents his wife. Maybe it's overt and like hormones trick them into marriage. And then it's like, surprise, you're in a covenant and God hates divorce. So, (laughs) and I was like, nah, dude, I'm smarter than that. I ain't going to get tricked into a covenant. Like that seems stupid. (laughs) Plus I already had these attractions, same sex. So I don't, I wouldn't make a causation link, but I definitely thought marriage was a sham. Mm. Um, I didn't see the good in it. It just seemed like everyone was pretending they liked each other. If you were in that same position right now, being the single woman that you were um, in a same sex relationship, how would you wanted, how would you have wanted a church leader to reach out to you or someone of the same faith? How would you want to be approached with that conversation? About marriage or just about what I was wrestling through? What you were wrestling through. Oh man. So back then, early aughts, it was the kind of the beginning middle of men coming forward with wrestling with heterosexual pornography addiction. Mm -hmm. Like it was starting to be talked about on stages and lots of claps and applause and like, dude, we're going to battle this together and porn and pancakes and stuff. There's like Saturday morning. I don't know. And I just remember out of the same mouths of men, saying, man, yeah, I got this porn addiction, but like, we're going to beat it. And same mouth, maybe even in a similar paragraph was words of vitriol and hatred toward quote unquote, the homosexuals. And I just remember staring at them and being like, what a load of crap. This authentic church pat on the back thing is. We think we're so great at coming alongside each other. I will never tell you what I'm secretly wrestling with because you just told me and your vitriol for the thems that you hate me. But at the same time, it was so, it was so strange because they, then in maybe the paragraph three, so it's like paragraph one, wrestling with my own sexual brokenness. Paragraph two, that sexual brokenness is garbage. Paragraph three, Lori, we sure love you. We're so glad you're worship. I was leading worship, leading small. You're so amazing. And I was like, no, you don't. You love the good and righteous parts of me. You don't actually love all of me. And I don't get to be broken. My version of brokenness is unacceptable to you, but yours is fine and dandy and gets to go on stages. Mine is deplorable. Saying that, I think there's some really beautiful steps that pastors are taking now, 15 years later. Praise the Lord. Um, and I'm really grateful for any any shred of a hand I've been able to play in that of it didn't, it wouldn't even take that much. 
Trevor, it wouldn't even take that much. It really is. Hey guys, this is God's beautiful yes for this design for marriage. Or, hey, we're talking 1 Corinthians 6. I am not going to isolate the men who sleep with men. I'm going to talk about how we are all busted. And if I talk about sexual brokenness, I'm going to, I'm not only just going to say, hey, guys, if you're struggling with porn, I'm going to say, women, if you're struggling with porn, dudes, if you're struggling with gay porn, women, if you're struggling with gay porn, we want you to know we love you. We, invite you here. And it's not a, you know, we accept the sin and it's not even, I love you, but I hate the sin. It's here's God's yes for marriage. Here's God's yes for sex. And here's why we're saying no to these things because he designed us and he knows our path of flourishing. So I would love to see my version of sexual brokenness lumped in with the rest of them. I'd love to hear the yes and the smile of God's design for marriage and of sex. And uh, zero othering, zero othering, where there's certain acceptable sins and then there's certain absolutely unacceptable ones because that was incredibly damaging uh, to my soul and I know to so many others. And it's so odd that still here in 2020, people are classifying other sins as more of a sin just because they don't struggle with it or it's not as widely talked about. Now in 2020, it, it, homosexuality is talked about a ton, um, like a lot, a lot, but still the church is kind of turning their head to a certain extent and not all churches. Uh, One of the first things I noticed when I got the book is that Matt Chandler had endorsed it. And it's like amazing. Like I highly respect him as a pastor to have that endorsement is a big deal. And for him to put his stamp on a a stamp of approval on a book talking about mixed orientation and homosexuality and overcoming that it's almost like I can trust this. And it's not mm-hmm. that I don't trust you as a person. It's I didn't know you. I'm mm-hmm. so thankful we're having this discussion. <laughs> but having that stamp of approval was like, okay, this is a conversation that I would feel comfortable having with this person because I've wanted to have the conversation for so long. But who am I going to have that with? Someone that understands, yeah. somebody that's been there, someone that's overcome this um, struggle that they're having. And you have three children and a mm-hmm. husband Mm-hmm. And yet you've still struggled with homosexual um, relations and the struggles in your life. Yeah. How- All right. How's that work? Yeah. <laughs> mic drop. Like how? How? <laughs> I know. Right. Well, it's interesting. And, and I want to I want to walk this tenderly. But it is it's very interesting that um, sometimes questions like the one you asked. Ten. <laughs> tend to reveal what we think marriage can be primarily based on, Mm. which is attraction and specifically and especially sexual attraction. Yeah. But even within that, it also says that we think sex is about primarily attraction as opposed to this holistic telling of your spouse that God wants to be and will be one with you. Sex is a um, a gospel picture inside of the marriage gospel picture, which what's the marriage gospel picture? There's lots of eye rolling, like I mentioned, that whole sham, marriage as a sham thing, I believed. 
Um, lots of eye rolling at the opposite sex. Lots of gender jabs that we do. And again, I would hear that and I'd be like, nah, dog, I'm out. I ain't, I ain't going to play that game. Yeah. Um, and sex difference is not a cosmic joke where she loves Target and Etsy and chatting and emotions. And he loves the garage and I don't know, tools. And I sport. don't love the garage and tools. And that's right? so funny. Like I'm not my best friend and his wife live across the street from me and oh he loves tools yeah and right i'm just Good like point. i'm gonna call ray that's exactly who i'm gonna call Good for you because yeah, i have gotta, no clue we gotta break that garbage of gender stereotypes down but at the same time there are some good differences of sex difference. I'm not saying stereotypes and that's a whole other conversation is what it are is actual masculinity and femininity. There's a conversation, but sex difference is not a cosmic joke or cosmic punishment where it's like, haha, you're tricked into a covenant. It's a picture of how very different men and women. Yes. But how different is God from humanity? Ephesians 1, 21 says he is far above every ruler and power and authority and principality, not only in this world, but in the world to come. He's ontologically different. And yet he wants to and will marry dusty old Adam us. And so if he very different God died to be one with us, marriage is a picture of when very different man dies to self to be one with very different woman and at the grocery store and in our homes and in our neighborhoods when we're dying to self to be one with our spouse we show the world how jesus died to be one with us and how we're to die daily to experience increased union with him i can get on board for that i don't roll my eyes at that i shouldn't roll my eyes at other people but how does our marriage work it's death to self to be one with the other. And it's not all death and sad and sorrow, but like Matt's attracted to other women. Like definite porn addiction for five, six years. And that was when our marriage was like good. And then year seven hits and he's eradicated porn from his life, but I'm looking at the exit door. And so how does it work? Is there is a spiritual, emotional intellectual, social, all these different, I talk about in, in uh, or we talk about in chapter five, these different spheres of our life where Matt and I are seeking union with each other. It's not just, Oh, we just do our little lives and then, Oh, is it time for sex again? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how a lot of couples roll, you know, or they're functional and then, Oh yes. Oneness and all that, which oneness becomes a euphemism for sex, whatever saying Matt and I are seeking union together in a lot of different areas. And that can lead to physical oneness Therefore, the children, but it's really, it's very interesting because people look at us and they scratch their heads, but then we start talking and all of a sudden they're like, do we have that kind of oneness? Our weirdo, impossible marriage makes all the other marriages, if they're willing to self-reflect, it makes them say, huh, are we seeking that holistic union or is it just 
all right, here's my heart. Here's my body. I'll see you in a few days. <laughs> yeah. And even this story that God is building through you, you being so vulnerable and sharing it in your book, it's like I've read um, Gay Girl, Good God by Jackie Hill Perry. I was talking to a friend who happens to be gay the other day. And I was like, yeah, I'm having this interview with this awesome lady named Lori. Um, told him about the book. And he's like, well, the gay community looks at um, Jackie Hill Perry, like the Democratic or Democrats look at uh, Candace Owens. And I'm like, but why is that? And they're like, well, this person has this view. This person has this view, blah, blah, blah. The whole point of this interview is not to bash gay people. It's not to make you feel uncomfortable if you are gay. This conversation is specifically for that one person that's like, okay, I don't feel like God created me for this. I'm struggling with this um, sexuality battle and I'm looking for that wholeness in my life. I'm mm -hmm. looking for the wholeness that only God can provide. And like you talked about the oneness that you and Matt are able to have. Mm -hmm. If there's so many people out there struggling and some people don't classify it as a struggle and that's a different walk of life. That's not what I'm addressing right now mm -hmm. for that one person out there that needs that oneness with Jesus, who's mm -hmm. looking for that oneness and whether they're identifying as bisexual or a lesbian or gay or whatever else they mm -hmm. want to go by where did you find the most breakthrough was it therapy was it jesus like obviously mm -hmm. jesus but mm -hmm. yeah and i will say too i have friends who identify as gay but they would categorize themselves as side b or as celibate so it's just a word you mm -hmm. know i choose a lot of words like you asked before we got rolling like how do i identify and i'm like i'm a human person who loves Jesus, who's when she struggles with lust, it's toward women. And that's <laughs> like we the all best answer. Sexuality. It's the yeah, best answer. It's, well, thanks. We all have broken sexuality. That's just my version. Um, so, but I, I have respect and love for people, however they choose to identify. So my friends who their lives look very much like mine, but they choose the label gay, in my opinion, and I'm not speaking for you, Trevor, I'm like, it's, it's words. It's not, it's unhelpful mm -hmm. for me and my walk with the Lord, but I just, whatever. But, so, but calling yourself gay doesn't automatically mean you are affirming. It doesn't tell me anything about your, uh, theological beliefs. Again, my opinion, not speaking for you, but you could say I'm gay and that's, but you're also, your life looks like mine, either as a single person or as a married to the opposite sex person, or you could say you're gay and you're affirming, or you believe the Bible affirms or allows or makes room for same sex marriages. So there's a difference there, identity. And then there's your religion, your beliefs about marriage. Those are two separate things in my opinion. So now I'm trying to remember your question. Your question was, um, for the people that are listening and where did you find oh, your breakthrough? Yeah. Yeah. Two major moments in my life. One broke up with my girlfriend. Matt came into the scene while I was still dating her. Uh, then I broke up with her after I started like this friendship dating thing with Matt where I shared everything with him. And he's like, I don't see you any differently. And it was so weird because it was like, even though I was attracted to women, there was this heart thing with Matt, this heart thing that led to, it was just like question. I don't even want to say it was like, Oh, this heart thing. And I knew I'd marry him. It was like, huh? 
that's all it was. It was just, huh. And then we started like talking marriage and I was like, well, I don't want to get married. But then I wrote down in my journal, but I do want to marry Matt. And by that, I meant, I was like, I don't want whatever that the, the marriage, remember the marriage issues I have um, or had. Um, I don't want that, but maybe there's something God's doing here with Matt and um, prayed about it. And I felt like God was saying no. So I broke up with him and it was as if we never, if it felt like on the surface, like it was like, we never dated. Um, In behind the scenes, it was like God was pushing pause and needed to gut me in my heart. Cause had we gotten married when we were talking about it the first time around, I honestly don't know how long it would have lasted. I probably would have cheated or I don't even know would have been really bad, but I broke up with him. And it was every minute of every day, I thought a woman was what I needed and I desired. And I was like, I don't know why I dated him, but this is what's right for me. I was graduated from college. I had my own job as a newspaper reporter. And I was just like, okay, I got to find someone or I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) And that like, honestly felt like my options because I was very much wrestling with my faith And I honestly thought that to be a Christian, I had to be straight. So I was like, well, I don't know how to do that. I can't cut the gay part out. I like look down at my body and I'd be like, is it like your appendix? Can I just like cut it out? And um, so that I was like, I either have to kill myself in order to not be gay or I'm coming out as a lesbian atheist. And I say atheist because I honestly was like, okay, Christiana, you believe that. I know the Bible says God's designed for marriage between a man and a woman. I just don't think I can live it out without wanting to die. So kill myself or come out. And um, I started seeing a therapist for the depression. And she was super weird in that she like super walked with God. And you know those people that like, you, you don't know if they touch the ground when they walk. They're very like spiritual. Mm. She's kind of like a spiritual Gandalf character. <laughs> um, and um, she started working on the depression stuff. And then we started getting this deeper heart stuff. And I'd say these things about women. And I was like ready for her to backhand me with Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 6, et cetera, et cetera. And um, she never did, but she would just listen and loved me and would ask me super weird questions like, Lori, when you are envisioning that ideal, perfect woman, what are you picturing? And I'd say, that's really weird. I'm not going to tell you (laughs) because you're old (laughs) and I feel weird. And then I started saying things forever. And I was so surprised that the words that came out of my mouth were not sexual words. They were heart words. Things like, well, if I'm picturing us together, me and this woman, it's, I want to be seen and known and loved just as I am. And she'd look in my eye, try and catch it. She'd say, Lori, those are good things. You're just running to the wrong place. Now the right place was not to a dude. That's called idolatry. And I was like, well, I also know it's not Jesus because I've tried Jesus and I'm like a super Christian. You don't even like know who I am. (laughs) I'm amazing, (laughs) which is its own pride issue. But she's like, the answer is Jesus. But Trevor, I didn't realize 
you can even be a quote unquote super Christian. And you can know Jesus, even think you know him here in you, in your heart, but you don't really know and experience Jesus. I didn't realize that those needs that she was talking about, I've alluded to a couple of times, we call them core needs to be seen and known and loved. We have like a list of 10 of them. Again, that's chapter five of our book. I didn't realize that there can be barriers between those good needs of your heart and the need meter of your soul. And I had a lot of garbage stored up trauma, regular old like parent wounds that we all need to grieve and forgive rejection from pastors. Like I had a lot of barriers between those good needs in my heart and the need meter of my soul. And she did not come in with some sort of like crazy town, like psychotherapy. She walked me through spiritual disciplines. The primary one being lament, listening, prayer, which that's controversial, but bear with me and forgiveness, real forgiveness, where you grieve what's been done to you. Like David does in the Psalms. And like we see Jesus do in Gethsemane and we like, we see him do in, uh, at Lazarus's tomb, we, you grieve what was done to you and you feel that pain and you take it to Jesus. I didn't do, ever do that grieving process. Like, and with productive grief where you're taking it to the Lord. And then that listening prayer piece where you have the Bible over your ears and eyes and mouth. She taught me to experience God. And I tell you what, Trevor, that was a game changer. Had she not walked me through those good old fashioned experiential spiritual disciplines, I do not think I'd be a Christian today or I'd be dead. Hmm. I absolutely believe that. That was pivotal for me. And when I alluded to how can Matt and I be married in the beginning, and I talked about this love of Jesus, that's when I started to actually not just know the love of God and regurgitate the love of God, but experience the love of God in the deepest crevices of my soul. And I fell in love with him. And it was soon after that he said, I have someone for you. And that was when he brought Matt back in. Hmm. What did that process look like for you, like uh, diving into scripture and finding that peace? Like, is there anything in particular, like a habit or something that you made every single day? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I know a lot of people are like, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. But for me, like, like I can't put a timeline on it. It's mm-hmm. just not going to be beneficial. I'm going to get sidetracked and I end up disappointing myself. So, yeah. Yeah. What did that look like for you? Was it just like, I'm going to give my full undivided attention. I'm not going to put a label on it. I'm not going to put a time stamp on it. I'm just going to set aside this time for God and worship and prayer and journal. What did that look like for you? I mean, that's, that was a huge piece of it. Um, I think a gigantic portion was with Carolyn was her name was quieting my mind, closing my eyes. And she did this practice with me called safe place Mm. where you utilize the imagination that God created. I know people say that the imagination is the devil's playground, but Satan doesn't have his own clay. He can only distort and twist. God has clay. He creates things ex nihilo. And so he created our imagination. So you, he often, it says in Luke, all over the gospels, how he often, Jesus got away to the lonely places to pray. 
So ideally to pray, I would love to go on a mountaintop and like look over lush valleys and pray. But here I am in my basement and I hear my kids screaming right now. I can't go to a mountaintop, but I can close my eyes and ask the Lord to bring to mind a place where I feel safe and at rest with him. That safe place. And um, she taught me how to do that and then to invite Jesus to be with you. He's always with us, but just chill for a sec, (laughs) you know, world. Invite him to be with you and picture him with you. And it might just be a sense of his presence or might be, you know, like you see him in the pictures or like a lion or a lamb or something. Invite him to be with you. And um, it's so interesting to me. I did this today even. I do this a lot where I ask him to be with me. And however I picture him in that safe place, sometimes he's way far away. And, you know, we're like, oh, yes, me and Jesus, we're besties. But then you do this visual prayer, this listening prayer thing. and you're actually, your heart is telling you actually how close you, you feel to him. You're like, no, I actually want him across on the other mountain. And all of a sudden, okay, now tell him why about, talk to him about that. God, I'm so mad at you. Which, oh no, you're telling God your feelings. That's a third of the Psalms. (laughs) It's David getting after it. He's, he's not just spitting at Jesus. He's processing his emotions with God. That was a game changer. It's going to that safe place. It still is a game changer and inviting him in there. And then as I was doing my newspaper reporting, inviting him in the car with me, inviting him. And as I went for a run, like doing my physical health, I started really running. Um, it's always good for those of us who are prone to depression and anxiety. I'll count myself into one of those. So I think that, And again, whatever you see there, you just talk to him, you listen to him and always with the Bible as a filter. Mm. Um, So that was, wasn't, is a game changer for me. And just a second, what you said about running, I talk about mental health all the time. It's no stranger to me to struggle with anxiety and depression. Running does help. Um, Right. But what a beautiful way to leave this episode off with your kids screaming in the background. You never saw that. (laughs) picture of living that perfect life and i wouldn't say perfect that life with matt and three children at the beginning of this episode we talked about your struggles with the same sex attraction and god took that and he's just created a whole different life for you mm-hmm. and it's beautiful is amazing like even the screaming and the hearing their voices in the background, it's like, wow, that's the whole story summed up right there. What's the (laughs) beautiful picture at the end? Screaming kids. (laughs) It's just real life, man. It's just real stinking life is it's ongoing. It's just ongoing. I love that so much. Well, an impossible marriage is available on Amazon and everywhere you buy your books, especially during a pandemic. It's obviously going to be online. So go get that. I love the cover. I'm on chapter four of the book. Not going to lie. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I'm working (laughs) through it. But just keep being vulnerable. And I know you and your husband have a podcast and we're going to link that in the description below. But thank you for sharing your message and being vulnerable. Like I know that at times this is even, it won't get old. Like it's your story it's your conversation and it takes some guts to get out and talk about things that nobody wants to talk about. So I commend you for that. And thank you for being willing to sit down and have this conversation today. 
Thank you. You too, Trevor. Thank you for being willing. Yes. And for anyone listening, if you're struggling with depression or anxiety, or maybe even struggling with your sexuality, you can always DM me and I'm sure you can DM Lori as well. You can find her on socials. Just look for Lori Krieg. Um, Just be vulnerable. Don't feel like you have to fit a certain profile. Your life matters. You have so much purpose and God has a special plan for you and it doesn't involve suicide. So if you're struggling today, go to heartsupport.com, death to life. That's death, death, the number two, life.com or even reach out to the suicide crisis text line. There's so much for your life that God has and don't ever feel like is supposed to end with your own hand. And thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. I found myself on a ledge, three stories high, at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I'm a caring father, mentor, and friend in my new podcast, Billy and the Goat. I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.